Hello and welcome to The Rabbit Hole, the definitive developers podcast in fantabulous Chelsea, Manhattan. I'm your host, Michael Nunez, our co-host today, Dave Anderson. And today, we're talking about documentation, heaven, and horror stories. Oh man, I know the horror of documentation for sure. Of, of, but of who, having them or not having them? Who, who can tell us what, what, what heaven looks like with documentation? Yeah. We have a special guest, a returning guest. We have Eric Holscher. How's it going, Eric? Good. I don't, I don't know if I can quite bring you to salvation, but I'll, I'll do my best. <laughs> <laughs> but we spent so many years in the desert, you know. <laughs> Gotta be a promised land somewhere. Uh, somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Why don't you... Uh, Tell the people about why you're you're qualified to to help us out here. Sure. Yeah. Well, I think the the best hat for me to wear today is actually the co-founder of the Write the Docs conferences, which is a kind of global commu- conferences and community, which is a global community built around software documentation, inclusive of developers, tech writers, support folks, kind of ev- everyone who cares about documentation. Oh yeah, yeah. I've I've met Mikey Ariel. We we had her on the show actually back in the day. Friend friend of the show, Mikey Ariel. <laughs> friend of the show, representing in uh, Prague. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, she's the the chair of our Prague conference. I like to say she's the me of Europe. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Maybe I'm the her of of America. There's a, a better way of putting it. Col- Columbia. <laughs> yeah. Talking about documentation, depending on whatever tech shop you may work at, could be hit or miss on whether on the belief of documentation. We work at agile based companies, and I believe one of the uh, you know, the tenets of, of Agile, right? The manifesto, as it's called. Right. It's a, one of them is working software over comprehensive documentation. That means we don't write any documents, yes. right? We're free. We're, we don't write any of that's them. That's what I heard. <laughs> we don't write any of them in, this ad, in, in terms of if we use Agile. Yeah. So, but I mean, it is, a, it is an interesting statement. Like, because my, my origin story with documentation personally is like, I worked in waterfall environments that were regulated that required lots of documentation and forethought up front about requirements and design and diagrams. Yeah, and, and I think that's the, that and, documentation is different than like tech documentation that Eric was referring to in his conferences. Is that correct to say? I would say so. I mean, I think there's a, a small overlap when you think about like design documentation and, and kind of justification for, for systems, but I, I certainly think you know, contextually, a lot of a lot of people take the the Agile Manifesto out of context and use it to say no documentation, and I have an excuse now. Whereas, yeah, I think it's much more referring to the the classic kind of waterfall model of of we're going to write fifty pages before we write a line of code. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. We'll think about the code really hard. As we write it in regular in a document. Yeah, and it, it's interesting because I feel like this has maybe come back a little bit around to there's some stuff called, you know, readme-driven development or, or documentation-driven development. I feel like that's the, the kind of modern take on it. But it's really writing documentation about the code, much more so than about the design of the system or anything like that. It's, it's, but it's, a, it's an interesting parallel, uh, but I think it leads to much better results. Right. Yeah, yeah. I guess like the the tough thing with things like requirement or design is that like the reality will often hit and then the half-life of that documentation's like usefulness might might soon be out, out the window. Yeah, with with readme driven development a lot of what I'm doing is is writing the the kind of API interface or the you know the user experience that someone who's using my my class is going to have. It's 
it's much more kind of code focused in thinking about the design of the system. I mean, I, I really don't think that's what kind of the classic agile manifesto is is referring to when it's talking about documentation. Yeah, yeah, that's that's true. I recently like just as as a little fun exercise, I I wanted to see if it was possible to like write like RSpec style mock setup in Python, and so like I just I feel like I kind of followed that a little bit because I was just reading the readme of RSpec and just trying to write the software from that user interface and it was it was kind of interesting like kind of just following from the api and letting like the code underneath it be less important than just the assertions that it meets the spec of the document yeah totally it's it's an interesting it's an interesting approach and i I think it leads to better kind of user experience for the software to think about how it's being used at a high level i i find often i'll i'll just start implementing and my implementation will dictate what the the public api looks like and if i do that design up front it will generally lead to better better design of the code and the public api yeah it's kind of like the same philosophy as like test driven design i have a question though so suppose i am a shop i am a development shop and i now at willing or wanting to write documentation how do I start and what are some best practices that I can introduce going forward? Totally. Yeah. So I'm, I can answer that a couple ways, but I'll focus on kind of one, which is kind of called a docs as code meth- methodology. And what that really talks about is, is treating documentation like code. And so there's a couple kind of avenues to that. One is the documentation should live as close to the code as possible. So think code comments, think, you know, restructured text or markdown files in the repository. And really what that gives you at the end of the day and, and the way that kind of kind of build documentation culture within a company is to then start requiring documentation updates along with the code, right? So so you can really have the literal pull request where a feature is being built will also contain the documentation for that feature, uh, at least the developer documentation, you know, maybe not your you know product docs or whatever, but really kind of building engineering or, or documentation culture and engineering teams is that the closer it can look like to code development, the more integrated it can be with the development process, you know, the more likely it will be to get updated and the more likely it'll be to be correct and, and get done at all, really. I really like the idea of like, you know, thinking from the user's perspective and, and documenting that interface, especially with like APIs. Like it's it's really nice to have something like Swagger where it like will cover what your REST endpoints do and tell you how how to interact with them although that that really does fall down if you don't if your team doesn't have the discipline to not accept the work if you change the the interface of of the api and have someone go back and make sure that it's updated properly yeah i think uh, there's there's a good analogy i hear that i that i like to talk about which is you know a lot of these were the same complaints that that automated testing had like 10 years ago, I actually mm-hmm. kind of started my career advocating for testing. And then that kind of became a thing that everyone advocated for. So yeah. I had to move on to documentation. <laughs> <laughs> Just became too cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I couldn't get easy talks at conferences anymore just by proposing, you know, t- testing talks. So I had to move on to docs talk. <laughs> <laughs> no, but but I really think the the advent of continuous integration is is what made automated testing go from a net negative to a net positive, right? It's hmm. it's that kind of reinforced value and kind of moving the value of, of writing the tests 
closer to the act of, of writing the code. And, and that's really what I advocate for, you know, with documentation. That's what Read the Docs does, which is the product that I work on, is, you know, it, it's basically CI for docs, right? Whenever you merge the internet, you know, like, it really, like, pushes the value of writing docs closer to, you know, the, the time you're writing the code. Whereas, you know, if you're doing doc updates and they only go live every, like, two weeks or whatever, when a new version goes out, it tends to go stale. It tends not to have as much value. And so I do think there's there's an analogy there between kind of CI for testing, adding value, and then mm-hmm. something similar for documentation, making right. sure that that's getting, getting to the users as quickly as possible. Really having that feedback loop where you're just, you're continually seeing, you know, a nice thing. Like there's, there's a, a treat every single time that you write your document. Yeah. And a lot of times, yeah, like you'll see a lot of people who document stuff in, in Confluence or something and they're like, we'll update the docs later and, you know, tomorrow never comes mm-hmm. <laughs> kind of, you know, scenario where the docs never get updated. And so keeping it close to the code and then keeping it kind of live updated, I think really increases the value you get out of the docs. Because, yeah, like the value degrades over time. And so if you write something and it doesn't get shipped to the users for a month, maybe the life that it's valuable is only two months, <laughs> right. uh, you know? And so I think you, making sure you're getting the most value out of it is, is really how you make it worth writing. I tried to write or like contribute to documentation for a long time, but I found that the, the, feed, the feedback loop would, would be challenging. You know, if I, I don't own the doc server, you know, I'm not accepting the PR and I'm just working on this in a vacuum. It really helped to look at like a, uh, like an auto building tool where it's doing live reloads of documentation as I'm, I'm going. So, you know, you can really tighten that feedback loop, even, even to like the, the writing aspect of it. And so I, I do think the other, the other big thing there is, you know, similarly with code comments, making sure that, you know, the comments in your code are, are getting rendered in your documentation in a, a good way is the other place where, you know, the, the comment in the code is the most likely to get updated when the code changes, and then an external file in the same repo, and then something that's external completely to the code, right? There's a, you know, you're, you're losing the chance of something getting updated with the code the further it lives. And so making sure that that stuff that's right next to the code is being shown to users in a, in a valuable way is also another good place to make sure stuff gets updated. Right. Those random docs in Google Drive or Confluence are, are just like in the seventh circle of hell. Like never getting updated. Gentlemen, 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 I want to say something. My code is self-documented. Why do I need to write documentation on my self-documented code? It's per- it's beautiful. It's like a haiku. It's, it, it, you can read it and you totally understand it. There's no there's little boom, poem. It's just right there. And it's always documented for you in my code. Why do I have to take the necessary step to write documentation when it reads so beautifully? My favorite answer to this is is actually a rhetorical question, and that is, where does the tutorial go in your code? The tutorial for wait the, uh, <laughs> I, the tutorial for my code, <laughs> right? Like, like how do I how do I learn to use your code? Or you know, similarly, kind of where where do the install instructions go in your in your beautifully crafted piece of software? <laughs> uh. So, kind of the point there that the you know more more serious point is you know documentation has many possible uses mm-hmm. and and the kind of my code is self-documenting thing really is just saying that my you can read the code and understand how the system works right like mm-hmm. the how is answered 
in the code. But the other two big things, the biggest in my mind is the why, right? So a, a canonical example of that is I made the system one way and I had to change it because the old way didn't work. Like a comment <laughs> in the code is a great place to store that information for the next person so they don't try to update it, right? And so I, I do think the how can be quite valuably communicated in the code, but the why and also just kind of the, the myriad other things that, that shipping software needs, you know, the <laughs> tutorial to get used to it, the installations instructions, the, but that is also very important for documentation if you want your software to be used by other humans. Yeah, if your software's life is just to be written and read by you and executed only by you, then that's great, right? But once you actually start having other people who are using your code, uh, the value of documentation becomes quite obvious, I think, in my experience. We we did uh, an episode number 56, uh, comments considered harmful, comments considered helpful. And I, I really loved some of the examples of like comments that were pulled out of like the Microsoft, you know, Windows or Word code base where it's like, Every time you try to refactor this method and you think that you're smarter than I am, please add the number of hours you spent on this here. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Because like there there's a reason why something may may be insane looking to you that may not be captured. A lot of a lot of security stuff as well, right? It's like this this login function is incredibly inefficient for a reason. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. And and some some of that documentation may exist inside of your uh, source control too. It may the why may exist inside of the commit message in like the history associated with that. But there are some things that like need to be like a little bit more front and center, for sure. Yeah, definitely. And I, and really, I mean, this this isn't the the best way to explain it to developers, but but documentation truly is marketing for your software, right? If you're if you're writing open source code, or like maybe a, maybe another hypothetical is good here. Like, how many people go to a GitHub repo and they see the project has no README, and they're like, "I'm going to use that code." <laughs> <laughs> right, zero yeah. zero stars, zero README. Uh, yep, that's what I'm going for. That's that's the one. That's the one, fellas. That's, yeah. that's it. Although I. <laughs> I, I do like it when when the code actually can be self-documenting. Like I've really enjoyed working on uh, GraphQL APIs over the, the past year or so, or more. And like when you write code in GraphQL for your API, then you get this nice introspectable schema that, through tooling, can be a document and can be interactive and can be the marketing page for your you know, wonderful API to all the, the users, be they internal or external. So uh, yeah, so trends towards that, like, get me pretty excited. Yeah, no. And and I mean, I don't think, I, I think it's a, a false, you know, equivalency or, or false dichotomy, right? Like code can be self, you know, quote, self-documenting, but still need written words. But that people who are arguing for documentation aren't arguing for less readable code. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's, it's, it's like we're, we're arguing that you need to solve more problems, basically. <laughs> I never thought about that. But yeah, I, I, I do feel like it's like, yes, why would, why would I write less readable code? Like, why are you telling me to write less readable code? I'm going to write the best possible code. Right. And then you have to tell people how to install it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, because that's important. Because you want people to use it. The best way to do that, like as you mentioned, is not someone who's going to sit down and read the lines of code necessary to run it. You want to be able to have like a, an introduction to the code, kind of like the table of content 
of your code is the readme that will that you need to read and you're like oh okay i have an idea on how to use this if i want to learn more about it i can read the code which is great but the synopsis of it could be in a documentation that exists alongside your code so like just to clarify this isn't like commenting code excuse me having comments in code that's like super duper long worths of paragraphs where it makes my <laughs> file it makes the file of the code like 300 lines because we're like because it's riddled with comments like that's not what we're literate, you know literate programming i believe was knuth's uh, <laughs> idea there yeah so i don't think that it's that in when you actually mention documentation alongside your code but more or, like an introduction like, to you know, the comment that says Calculate the velocity, and then velocity equals you know right. whatever. That is that is yeah. documenting the how. <laughs> yeah, that is not what you want to do. Or yeah, like like I know what the function does. Tell me why the function exists. Like right. Give give me a little existential crisis for yourself. Right. Why? Like why is this pizza delivery app calculating velocity? What's going on here? <laughs> Are you like shooting pizzas out of a trebuchet or something? Hey, whatever it takes to get it to your house as hot as possible. Okay. <laughs> What are some like good role models for documentation that I should look to? Like who who's doing it right? Like what what projects are, you know, have some braggable documentation that I can uh, get inspired from? Sure. I'll I'll be a little cliché and and name a couple of the obvious ones. Uh Stripe is is one that people always always mention. I think they really their innovation was kind of the the living documentation or or the updated thing that the magical thing that happens when you go to Stripe and you can copy and paste the code examples and they've already pre-filled out your API key. So when you run the code examples from their docs, it shows your data. Oh wow. <laughs> That's a pretty cool kind of like you know, tip of the hat. <laughs> and like kind of making your life as a developer a lot easier. Like thinking about the end user. You know, it's a great user experience thing, right? If you treat, if you treat documentation as a product, that is a, a UX win for that product. You know, I haven't looked at the Stripe docs and I'm looking at it right now and it's pretty slick. Like there's like animation going on <laughs> and things are moving and it's it's pretty cool. That's awesome. I mean they have like a they have like a team of people who treat documentation like a product and work, you know, like like they care and they know that that is a core competency for their business. And so they they resource it appropriately. And one of one of my other favorites is the Django documentation. Mm-hmm. Django's really what got me into to open source and into Python and, and all that stuff. And just reading the Django docs, they're they're comprehensive and they have tons of good examples and they they do a good job of a lot of this kind of stuff. And yeah. So I think they're another classic. That is, that is so true. Like I've had to like teach an, a number of colleagues uh, Django on projects that we were ramping up on, and they'd be like, "Oh, what what book should I read?" or like, "What you know blog post should I look at?" And it's like, "Why don't even just look at the documentation? Go like click <laughs> through the tutorial. Like you know the references are really good. Like it, it, that is that is true. Like I never really felt like I needed another reference or another blog post. Like it." It's it's, it's all terrible in there. for for all the authors in the Django community. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, although there are there are some great books out there, but like they they have to be like you know this is a very specific use of it. It's not a general thing, like because you're already covered on you know doing ninety nine percent of what you need to do. Right. Yep. Yeah, and I think so. Those are some of my two favorites. I think there's a lot of other other great examples out there. Sadly, there it's much easier to find bad examples <laughs> than uh, it is to find oh, great yeah. examples. But yeah, let's throw um, some people under the bus. Let's do that. Oh, I mean, <laughs> I mean, I think I've been at clients that have done like 
really well documentation and no, like I've just been in two extremes. Yeah. And yeah. like when I'm in one extreme where it's like documentation is required, you have to keep updating like the documentation team is responsible for updating the documentation. Like that's in your, um, in your estimates when you are building out a new feature. And even then, like I feel, I always feel like, oh man, wait, this is way too much. Like, I'm definitely of the camp of my code does is so expressive. You can read it and it'll just make sense. <laughs> if it doesn't make sense, read the test. The test will tell you what's going on. But then I've been in the other side where there is zero documentation. And that was like, whoa, wait a second. Where am I? Yeah, what am I doing? Yeah. What's going I, on? I, I tell you, been in that case too, where I was pushed to write documentation for like doc strings for these classes that were doing like calculations, like, uh, you know, calculating retail prices and things like that and i'm like oh this is all like very self-evident and then like i had to teach someone else how to how to use it to extend it and it was like oh wait this code is shaped like my brain <laughs> no one else knows how this works no one no one <laughs> although it's beautiful and there's many tests yes so, uh-huh. so you just you just gave me a perfect segue to one of one of my favorite analogies which i will shamelessly now share which is i i really do think that for developers, a lot of the value of documentation is kind of making it easier to get a mental model of the software, right? Kind of you just said. And so I really, one of my favorite analogies is that basically documentation is JSON for your brain. Mm. Like it's, <laughs> it's the best way to serialize your mental state so it can be loaded into someone else's brain without having to execute the entire program in their own head, <laughs> right? Right. It's, it's kind of JSON for software design and concepts. And, yeah. I, and I think that's a really powerful way to think about it is it's a, a serialization format that is more expressive than than software for you know translating a subset of ideas around software to other humans yeah and i think that's, however you apply that methodology use it in the right place and and it will be great use it in the wrong place and it'll be terrible uh just like any tool right right or like, you know, it's so interesting is like, you know, writing from the very like dawn of civilization, it's like I'm taking a thought out of my head and it can go into your head now. And you may think the wrong thing and that's maybe a, a bug. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Like arguing against documentation at some level is arguing against communication, which is like a, a core, you know, human uh, technology. And obviously that's a little a little strong and a little hyperbolic. Um, but I, I really do think that, you know, it's a, it's a tool and it's a technology and it can be used equally as well as any other tool or technology. And people's experiences tend to be shaped by how it's been done in the past. But the fact that we've all had good experiences around documentation, you know, proves its value. And now the goal is how do we build the industry's knowledge of, of how to use the tool to make it more valuable for everyone. And that's really what Write the Docs is about, is, is sharing those best practices and you know, building a community of, of thought around this stuff to, to advocate for the things that work and try and get more people doing having good experiences with documentation. So Yeah, there you go. There you go. Documentation. It's not just for clay tablets. <laughs> <laughs> So transferring knowledge and code <laughs> at the same time. Eric, how can people contact you? Yeah, so the easiest place to find me on the internet is uh, just at ericculture.com. Uh, that's just my name, and that has links to everything else, the Twitter, the GitHub, and all that good stuff. So Cool. You got anything to plug? Yeah, I've mentioned Write the Docs a couple times, and so I'd, I'd be remiss 
to, to not mention that the Prague conference is happening here in uh, the middle of September in Prague. And then we also have one in Sydney, Australia, uh, happening in November. And then also we have lots of other content. Uh, if you want to go, just go to writethedocs.org. There's a newsletter and there's a Slack and, and lots of other places, meetups and you know, four or five different continents and lots of places you can engage in that community. So if, if software documentation is, is what you're into, that's somewhere you should go and, and kind of you know talk with folks and get better at it. So. Awesome. Love it. Write those docs. Write the docs. Follow us now on Twitter at Radio Free Rabbit so we can keep the conversation going. Like what you hear? Give us a five-star review and help developers just like you find their way into the rabbit hole. And never miss an episode. Subscribe now however you listen to your favorite podcast. On behalf of our producer extraordinaire, William Jeffries, and my amazing co-host, Dave Anderson, and me, your host, Michael Nunez, thanks for listening to The Rabbit Hole.